right off the bat, you'll have to excuse any lack of professionalism on my part uh, for this uh, parting episode for the year 2020 of Elwood City Limits. You see, uh, Lucas and I were both very busy men. Me, Will Young, my co-host Lucas Mancini. Uh, we have some, we have some things to get to tonight, and I decided to play a little game of chance, a little game of risk. Ooh. So it was uh, it was an hour ago that I placed a door dash order, and I was risking that it would get here before we would record, but it actually ha- came here just as we were about to. So if you don't hear my breathing in the background, maybe you hear this clicking. That means I'm muting my mic to eat or to slurp my delicious vanilla milkshake. Uh, But I wanted to do this very badly, so I wanted to try and do both at the same time, and I will also... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do my best not... Vanilla milkshake. Will, did you DoorDash Five Guys? Yes. (laughs) Good guess. Well, I I, I Uber Eats Five Guys yesterday night. (laughs) It's, what is what is the year done to us, Will? What what's going on? This is it's it's a bit of a problem. I gotta be honest. Uh, DoorDash is becoming something of a weekly problem in the in the young family household. So, uh, and Five Guys is uh, one of the big one of the big culprits. Uh, I don't mind telling you, but uh, yeah, there it is. We ju- we just got Five Guys like this year in uh, where we are in Nova Scotia. So I'd I'd had it before. I I had it when I went to Boston a few years ago. But this is like, and my wife's in love with it. So if she loves a place to eat, she's a bit of a picky eater. So if she likes it, then it's a new household staple. Anyway, welcome everybody. Uh, like I said, we'll try not to eat on the mic. I know that that is can be a little triggering to some people. Uh, but welcome to Elwood City Limits. Like I say, this is going to be the last uh, episode that we're covering Arthur for 2020. Because 2021 is... Uh, not too far away. Will Young here. That's my co-host Lucas Mancini. And uh, uh, Lucas, I don't mean to I don't mean to dominate the conversation so much, but I need to tell you about a dream that I had last night. Oh, my favorite! All right, let's hear this. So I had a dream of what Arthur is going to do when he grows up. Oh, okay. So it turns out that I I, I can't really explain much more of the dream, but I do remember this. So when Arthur grows up. He goes to work on Grandpa Dave's farm. He takes over the farm. Oh, my God. And then becomes a, a novel writer on the side. So oh, like, uh, there you go. That's my, Arth- that's my Arthur fanfic dream. Is that Arthur works at a farm and becomes like, he's like Hemingway. He's just like, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Well, I like it. That's not what I was expecting, Will. No, I, I'll have to let you next time I have an Arthur dream, but I, I doubt it'll be that like, um sort of grounded in reality. Like, my Arthur dream's probably going to involve him, like, transforming into some creature and then eating me, and then I wake up and, and I'm in high school and I'm in my underwear or something. Oh, like, man. Just hitting, hitting all the low the low notes. Um, yeah, that was that was my dream. I just felt, hey, no better place to tell it than here. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting ready for Christmas, and, uh, or at least Christmas in our household, the holidays, wherever you are. How's that preparation going, Lucas? Oh, I am oh my goodness, Will. I am so busy. I'm busy with work. I'm I'm busy trying to get all this Christmas stuff uh uh ready to go uh prior to when is this episode is this episode gonna be dropping this week or is this happening around Christmas? So this should be dropping this week. Okay, so getting everything ready to go for in time for Christmas. It's not quite Christmas yet. Uh we, I got most of my shopping done, a lot of it online, so we're just waiting for packages to come in. We got a real tree, by the way. This is my first year oh. ever having a real tree. Okay. Um, I never understood what all the hype was about. I grew up in a fake tree household. So. I'm, I'm surprised that your apartment lets you have that. Ours specifically doesn't, and we do the fake tree anyway because Jenna's allergic to pine trees. Oh, well, see, there you go. They say don't, you're not allowed to have a real tree? They like I, specific, I that's think in so. your lease? I think so. Like, yes, I, I believe so. And I think Is it, it ha- the lease? Oh, my God. I think it has to do with just, like, because we would have to be lugging it up a flight of stairs and, like, dropping needles everywhere. So I imagine uh, it's more of a mess thing. Uh, I see. That, yeah, that's, my, we're, that's we're, my guess. We're right next to the door. That's funny that they would put that in the lease, though, because uh, I was going to say, if it's in the lease... The, if it's not in the lease, first of all, that's it's free reign. And second of all, Will, there's a lot of things that our apartment doesn't do that, <laughs> that still get, happens all the time anyway. Right, of course. Uh, it's a Christmas. That's a Christmas miracle is violating your lease. Um, but no, yeah, the real tree is, I believe, the hype now. You know, the apartment smells of 
clementines and pine and uh, all we need is a big snow for the holiday spirit to really set in. We'll have to wait and see if it's going to be a white Christmas. Well, all right, uh, before we get into anything, we always like to turn it over to the emails over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And we do have a couple here, like I said, skirting in right under the wire before we uh, say goodbye to 2020. First off, from Christine, hello, Will and Lucas and Mike. You ever hear something on a podcast and feel like a ghost trying to communicate with mortals who are totally oblivious to your presence? That was me during the mailbag portion of your last episode. Uh, so, Christine... G- I think good-naturedly. I'm going to say get on my case, but she wasn't, like, browbeating me or anything. Talking about how Mike was the super cool teenage big brother of Buster in that first season episode, never to be seen again. So don't worry. If, uh, the the intonations that I made in that episode of Mike were uh, very Arthur-inspired, so I, I didn't miss that. But, uh, yeah, that also serves as a very... Very low-key Arthur reference. Uh, Mike, of course, if you don't remember, is the person that we blame all the podcast woes on. Because when you're in quarantine together, you need to find a third person who doesn't exist to blame all of the gremlins mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty fitting if the Elwood City Limits expanded universe had an off-screen character named Mike who's always messing things up for the podcast, but also sounds like someone so outlandishly incompetent he couldn't possibly be real. That's much better than blaming myself. I agree. <laughs> Anyway, glad, no, yeah. you, glad you caught that, I, I, I accept the new uh, pod lore that Mike is some sort of uh, audacity-corrupting specter. Um, and I both respect and fear our our new uh, ghostly presence, uh, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Our next one is from Sydney, who says hello to Will and Lucas and Mike. I hope you three have been doing well in lockdown and staying safe with the new surge of cases. Loved the newest episode, like always. Uh, Arthur sells out, which I remember blowing my mind as a young kid, who thought selling things online was restricted entirely to adults. In my spare time, I love to collect, trade, and sell vintage toys, which is a nearly entirely online marketplace, since many vintage toys were only available in certain countries at certain times of the past. And Muffy's commentary about how to sell a beat-up toy was scarily spot-on. Well Loved is a staple of vintage toy sellers, and we get plenty of pre-reformed Arthur sellers who will sell you a lemon, then say buyer beware. We even recently had a spate of scammers who took advantage of the pandemic, causing toy prices to rocket, and we're trying to sell pictures of toys for thousands. There aren't. I've, a heard, ton- I've heard that yeah. happening with the PS5. Yeah, yeah. People, people, uh, we're, it's, it's amiibo season all over again. People robbing trucks for PS5s. But yeah, people buying like eight and a eight by eleven pictures of a PS5, expecting an actual PS5 to show up. Oof! There aren't a ton of vintage Arthur toys, but we still get some interest in them. And there are a couple of cute toys from the '90s, like a set of PVC figurines of Arthur and his family. I remember having an Arthur plush as a very young child, probably in 2000, 2001. It got me curious if you guys ever had any Arthur toys or merchandise growing up. It's one of those media properties that was seemingly ubiquitous but doesn't have a ton of merchandise outside of books, tapes, and other media. Uh, yeah, Sydney, uh, by the way, I, I, I'm not sure if this is you or not. Don't mean to blow up your spot, but there is a great Instagram account that I'm constantly putting on the Elwood City Limits story, and they are um, they, they, they find a lot of cool vintage Arthur stuff, and it's all types of merchandise. i got to say, though, I had a couple of Arthur books. Like, I had an Arthur... Uh, I had a chapter book version of Locked in the Library. I had an Arthur sticker book once, and that's kind of it. Like, I didn't really have a lot of Arthur-related merchandise. I think I was a little too old. I was more into, like, action figures and stuff yeah. like that. Same here. I didn't have a lot of Ar- Arthur stuff either, more so, like, Transformers and, and, and that. I was still watching the show, but uh, no, no toys. Maybe some, like, yeah, the youngest I got with being having toys of shows I was watching is I had a lot of... SpongeBob stuff, but no Arthur mm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, but uh, but yeah, some really great Arthur toys that I, I put on the on our Elwood City Limits Instagram story at least a couple times a week, and uh, they're they're a, I, I I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the account right off the bat, but um, I will I will make sure to put some up this weekend uh, if you go to our Instagram and follow us. Our last one here is from Martin and Lucas. This one is especially for you. 
So I heard you guys mention David Lynch here on occasion, and I've been wondering if you guys have any personal takes on the disaster flick Dune, as well as the Frank Herbert novel. Oh my, my goodness. My own experience was watching it on a Saturday some time ago. I wasn't high, but I may as well have been. It was one of those Saturdays that was just D-U-U-U-L-L-L-D-U-L. I just flipped through the channels and came across Dune on a Spanish channel that mostly shows old movies and media from the 70s, 80s, 90s. I can still remember how dour and depressing it felt, but it being an 80s film that made it an odd, fascinating depressing, if there's even a way to describe that type of media. Point being, I was towards the final quarter mark with the giant sandworms appearing, and my assessment was, I'll take this over boredom any day. I even managed to meet Sting for free in person during a benefit gig in Dallas back before the lockdowns were going on, but but I didn't know he was in the movie until after I watched several in-depth videos about the film. Sure, it might not be the best of adaptations, but like I've said before, there's a fascination to be had in it since it opens up a web of topics almost all worth the time watching, reading, and listening to. That's from Martin. Well, Lucas, uh, Dune has been one of your go-to. Uh, that that belongs on the TV Tropes page under uh, uh, <laughs> under under your name. It's true. I I, I uh, have an interest in it. I actually haven't finished that Dune book, even though I was talking about it pretty much all year long. Uh, but luckily, they delayed the release of the movie, so now I have a whole another year to talk about Dune. But I don't know. Dune's fun to reference. It's cool. It's unique. I, uh, um, like I said, a little bit of a poser. Have not finished the first book, but I have seen the David Lynch movie. Um, and you know what? You know what? Hot take on the David Lynch movie, Will. Um, and you know me, I'm like a, I'm like a visual guy. I'm like a practical effects guy. Yeah. Uh, number one gremlins two defender on the planet. Um, the David Lynch movie is not a great movie. What? No, uh, I'll, I'll go as far as to say it's not a great movie, but I really like it. It's really, uh, gorgeous looking. Yeah. Um, and the soundtrack by Toto is really good. Uh, and I actually do like quite a bit of the casting. Oh, the cast uh, is it's, great. Yeah, Cast it's almost totally incomprehensible, <laughs> but visually, it's really cool looking. Um, so, you know, there's worse things you could do than spend a, a groggy weekend watching that movie, especially it's Espanol. Um, yeah, that's one of those movies where it might almost be improved by turning the sound off and, like, putting <laughs> music behind it or something like that. Using it as, like... Uh, um, uh, just like visual, like a visualizer for some album you're yeah. listening to. Yeah, I think uh, you're. I think you're right. I think that's a really good point. Um, I yeah, watched. I'm most definitely pro Dune. I watched that in my uh, David Lynch class that I took in university. We watched all of his films. Uh, yeah, it's it's a weird one, and uh, visual visual uh, very visually stimulating is true, especially if. Uh, for young Virginia Madsen there. Uh-huh. But, um, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's definitely not a David Lynch thing I return to. I think it is cool that we did like give David Lynch a try as like a like tentpole Hollywood director and then just like got exactly the result back that we should have expected. <laughs> so that's it's kind of a funny part in history. Uh, well, thank you, everybody. Just a couple of emails there right under the wire at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Thank you very much for your correspondence. Um, before we get into anything else, just want to give a quick reminder <clears throat> to our Elwood City Limits patrons, especially our newer patrons. There is a message that I sent out to you uh, on the on Patreon. So if you are one of our newer patrons and you haven't looked at uh, this message and answered in the positive or the negative, please do. Thank you very much. And thank you to everybody who has responded. We've been getting some... Um, some tweets and some correspondences about people receiving their little uh, patrons-only gift in the mail. So uh, that was that's been really cool. And unfortunately, I don't mean this to sound exclus- exclusionary or anything like that. But um, if you're thinking, "Wow, cool! I get a free gift when I sign up for the Elwood City Limits Patreon," unfortunately, um, that gift is uh, was only a one-time printing. At least so far. If we get like double our patronage by the end of December, I'll see about making more. But yeah, for right now, it's just a one-time run sort of thing. And we want to have, uh, yeah, so one-time run for those who are already in kind of the or- the Patreon orbit. So, sorry. All right, speaking of Patreon, just want to give a quick shout-out, as we like to do, to some of our patrons who uh, have put down the money and uh, are supporting us. We really want to say thank you, of course. And uh, we did actually get a new patron this week, so you can consider yourself in the roll call Michael Mendez. Thank you for becoming the 60th patron 
at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. And joining the likes of Nicholas DeMarco, Valeria Lawrence, Mason Bishop, Daniel Updegraff, Jolo Flo, Ursula Cat, Michelle Sprzynski, and Owen. Thank you, everybody. We're just kind of cutting it off at a certain point. We don't want to keep you here with 60 names, especially when we've got some more Arthur to talk about, for goodness sakes. So let's get into oh, it. One, one last piece of housekeeping before yeah, we get to the please, Arthur. Please. One last thing. Um, uh, an, another fellow uh, Halifax, now defunct Halifax podcast, uh, Dog Island. Some of those members uh, went on to start a... Uh, there's a comedy band called Penhorn Summer, named after uh, a similarly defunct Penhorn Mall. Um, anyway, Penhorn Summer has put out a Christmas album, their second Christmas album in two years, I'll Be Home for Penhorn by Penhorn Summer. You can <laughs> check it out on the penhornsummer.bandcamp.com. Um, and all of the Bandcamp sales are going to Mutual Aid Halifax, which are... Uh, building winter shelters for out unhoused people here in the city. So it's a good cause. And let me tell you, Will, if you need a serotonin boost, um, both the song and also the video for the song, if you want to check it out on YouTube, for Santa's Spaceship is uh, basically been the highlight of my week. It's been the thing getting me through this busy week, and it's certainly been getting me in the holiday spirit. So check out Santa's Spaceship. Check out uh, uh, I'll Be Home for Pedhorn by Pedhorn Summer. Definitely, I will. Thank you for bringing that up. Penhorn Summer uh, and, of course, the former Dog Island, very gracious to give us a shout-out on their show. So check it out if you're looking for some uh, new Christmas tunes this year. Um, and thank you very much for reminding me of that. All right. this uh, The title of this episode definitely caught my eye when we were previewing it on the last uh, Elwood City Limits episode. Buenos Noches Visita, although it wasn't quite... It didn't quite end up the way that I thought it would. I thought this was going to be a bit yeah. different. I, I thought we were saying goodbye to the Visita character. Me, like, what a, me too. Hasta la vista, baby, as they say. I, I What a title. Um, but I was almost relieved to figure out that that wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, still, weird synchronicity, Will. We've been having so many uh, kind of Spanish-themed editions of uh for the kids the patreon exclusive podcast where we talk about all the pbs shows you know uh dragon tales and maya and miguel uh now going to a kind of a visita episode which it's been quite a long time since that since we've last checked in with visita and her fam i'm glad that you brought that up i did have this note a little bit uh like after this beginning bit but you're right um after the cold open, there is a part where Visita is speaking in unsubtitled Spanish, which we have been covering um, Spanish language shows that PBS has done very recently, and it felt like a weird bit of synchronicity. We're not always, I mean, sometimes we're a bit off on the holidays, sometimes things don't line up the way I wish they would, but this actually did line up in quite a strange and yeah. unexpected way. Feliz Navidad, folks. That's that's the the message this week. Feliz Navidad, indeed. So Arthur's talking in the cold open about methods that he and his friends used to get to sleep. So that includes Muffy uh, has uh, Bailey count sheep instead of counting sheep by herself. Bailey just standing in the crook of her door and counting sheep until she falls asleep. Brain counts uh, pi, the number of decimal places in pi, which actually sounds like a pretty good idea. And Buster just looks at homework and he's off to sleep. And Arthur's about to reveal his, but then DW yells at him for, for talking loudly. The way Arthur frames it, he's like, uh, I take a... He says, I take a... And I thought he was going to say, like, melatonin. <laughs> like, But he, he he's meaning to say, I take a few deep breaths. Probably. Uh, or, yeah, yeah <laughs> melatonin. Um, I also noticed here, Visita got her own title card. Normally, when it's, like, a minor character who's getting an episode focus, they get, like, one of the... Um, more general ones that we've seen a million times, but no, she well, got her, she so got her own. This might be, I, I believe, it's been a while since we've had a new set of title cards. Um, with with season 11, I think we're seeing, because this the animation style has changed, we've had a lot of new voices. Uh, I know in this episode in particular, I noticed some new uh, music tracks that have not previously appeared on the show. Uh, and I'm wondering now if, if this is, uh, as a part of all this new stuff, there's also new title cards to look forward to. 
Not only, I mean, not to say that you're normally not, but you are on the ball for this. I thought maybe that the, again, the new music. I was like, I think maybe I'll be the one, the only one to notice this. But no, I was completely wrong. Well done, Lucas. Right, listen, I have I have to work after this, so I'm I'm in uh, I'm alert and wakeful, and I'm ready to talk about some Arthur. So the idea behind this episode is that Visita is getting ready for bed, but she loses the very magic mango tree, which is her favorite book, and she literally cannot fall asleep uh, without it. In fact, we see her mother and father try and put her to sleep with another book, um, but it just doesn't work. Visita has books read to her, like how my mother watches movies. Uh, Who's that? What does that mean? But why would that work? I don't get it. Well, it's it's not just that, so... I, I, this is kind of a running joke throughout this episode that Vasita keeps making these observations. So, for instance, when they try to read her Goldilocks, she's like, "If if she had brown hair, would she be called Brownie Locks?" And the observations that Vasita keeps making it reminded me of that like new Tim Heidecker comedy special. Okay. Like it's like that level of humor where like for instance like. Tim Heidecker will say a joke in that comedy special where he's like, uh, you know, Pet Sounds by the the Beach Boys, classic album. You know, everybody loves pet sounds. Do you know what I don't like? Pet peeves. So it's just like <laughs> these like very loose connections where she's like, oh, why do they call her Goldilocks? She's like, why did uh, Jack just take an elevator? That seems like a, a joke right out of that Tim Heidecker special. So I got I was tickled by that. Or it, to me, it, to me, it read very much like Vasita's own cinema sins, like Vasita oh, sins. Oh God! Over here. No, don't don't take her. Don't do our poor Vasita like that. Ding! Oh, that'd be I horrible. Know. I know she's just a child. She's she's only innocent. She doesn't know what she's doing. Unlike unlike cinema sins. So Vasita is literally stays up all night. Her parents fall asleep, and she's just still asking questions. So of course she's dirt tired the next day, and uh, DW kind of takes notice. So they decide to try and help her. They enlist the services of the brain, who tried to, tries to explain to them exactly how sleep rhythms work. And DW and Vasita kind of raz him and kind of show him the door. Uh, brain has a line that's like, understanding the, the Circadian cycles of sleep is not boring. To which I said, I agree. I actually find that kind of fascinating. I took a fascination to that when I was in college and uh, was trying to figure out how sleep schedules worked. So, uh, I'm... I'm Nothing, nothing really beyond that. It's just I find it really interesting how uh, how much sleep our brain needs and how going to sleep at the right time uh, can be very beneficial, even if it's just a little bit of sleep. They come to the idea. There is a, there is a little breakaway here where they ask uh, Timmy and Tommy how they fall asleep. Timmy and Tommy Tibble. Uh, yeah, so Timmy and Tommy, uh, uh, I think Timmy sings Tommy this uh, lullaby, and then they chase each other around their bedroom, and DW's like, but that's that. how is that supposed to make you fall asleep? And does not answer. Do the tibbles. Uh, Buster tries to hypnotize Visita. That doesn't work either. And they seem like they've exhausted everything. But then it turns out that Visita actually knows the very magic mango tree off by heart. She can recite it word for word. So DW and Arthur get the idea to recreate the book. And this is where we get a nice little montage of them making the new book out of like construction paper and string and glue and all that kind of stuff. And we get a new groovy piece of music, which you uh, which you pointed out earlier. It's funny. I also wrote uh, "groovy" to describe. Um, we got some funky bass lines going on in this new piece of music. I, I wasn't quite sure. You know, I don't want to be too won over by both the newness and the funkiness of it. Will I wasn't sure if I was like, is this a little bit too uh, stock? A little bit too kind of session musicy? Uh, I, 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 I'm, the jury's still out. Because the old Arthur music is is so iconic, uh, I'll have to kind of let this one marinate for a little bit longer. Mm. Uh, that being said, initial impressions was it was certainly groovy. So this leads to they they managed to make successfully recreate the book, and that night Visita's dad reads her the new version, the newly collected version of the very magic mango tree we even get to see the story in construction paper style animation yes yes and this was like the arthur me reaching back into the past and speaking directly to the arthur animators and writers because one of the big kind of criticisms i had of last season was i really missed when we would do these dream sequences where the art style would change that was like one of the coolest parts of the first three seasons and was this ever did this ever deliver oh my goodness such a kind of drastic change in the art style and really really well done i thought this looked gorgeous uh i loved how it was like it was almost totally unrecognizable as arthur 
Um, and I like that, you know, usually in a story like this where it's a story about a story, uh, they take the easy way out, which is to not tell us the story, right? Because the story in our right. brains will always kind of be better than whatever they show us. And I was really impressed that they showed us the story. And they, and I think it also works well as it has all the rhythms um, and kind of the pacing of a real-life children's story of, like, this happened, and then this happened, and then this character said, and then this character said. Um, and so I was just really impressed with this whole sequence. It's easily the best part of this story. Um, the story, the story is the of a character named Waika who eats a mango from a tree and has a dream about uh, Jaguar Man. Uh, you know, becoming uh, an animal like Jaguar Man. I guess I don't know. Like you said, very children's book, very kind of existing in its own little world. Uh, the animation style reminded me, of course, I did think of South Park because you know it's kind of that same. A, a, very, a similar kind of construction paper style, but it also reminded me the way it moved of Kirby's Epic Yarn, if you remember that game. Oh, yeah. And then bit. the Yoshi's Woolly World. Mm. So, yeah, stuff like that, where you're kind of taking uh, different items than just the pencil and paper or digital and uh, creating creating a style of animation. So the story that they made out of Visita's head ends with uh, Waika in the tree, but it turns out that's not actually how the real story ends and Visita knows it so it can't help her go to sleep uh in in the actual story I think Waika gets down from the tree so she ends up having this dream where uh or she has an she has an imagination slash I think it ends I think it's pretty much a dream uh where she and her stuffed llama Raulito uh look for the magic mango tree in order to give Waika the mango so that he can go to sleep I think that's the, the that's the real end of the book. They didn't. He doesn't just stay up in the tree. He gets down and goes to sleep. So this is kind of the you know imagination sequence of the whole thing. Um, she go. She's trying to find the mango tree that will uh, that has the man- produces mangoes that make people fall asleep. Not to be confused with the one that keeps people awake, which she finds DW by in this really cool flamenco dress. I loved this. DW is like dancing around with some animals, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't have to go to bed at all." And Vasita's like, "I don't want that one," but DW looking styling. Now, did this portrayal of Vasita, uh, as well as you know her her llama as her sidekick, uh, remind you of any other uh, famous children's shows about a young adventurer, young female uh, uh, Latina adventurer? Do you know what? It didn't when I was watching it, but now that you mention it, I don't know why I didn't think of that. Dora right. the Explorer, obviously. It's, it's a little bit of a Dora the Explorer, uh, uh, either direct homage or ripoff, who knows. Uh, but that's definitely what it reminded me of, especially when you see her in her like safari getup. You're absolutely right. I, I, man, I, it just completely escaped me because Dora the Explorer wasn't really... I was way too old for Dora the Explorer when it came around. Um I did like how Ralito is the, you know, almost stereotypical, um, you know, like uh, annoyed and flustered kind of uh, friend. So he's always just like, can we just get the mango already? <laughs> and has a very great exasperated voice. They also run into a sloth that is not particularly helpful. So a little bit of pre-Zootopia sloth humor because he goes too slow for them. Yeah, eventually they find uh, Waika in the dream. I think he says he doesn't actually like mangoes all that much, so it's hard to get him to actually eat the mango. But eventually he does and falls asleep. And then, I mean, basically we run to the end of the episode here where Visita loses Ralito in the middle of the night. It turns out Ralito is behind her pillow, and so is the original book. So they can read that that night. And as they leave the bedroom, we get a wink from the Raulito doll, which kind of, again, goes back to our favorite trope of uh, magical realism in Arthur. It's been a while since I think we've kind of covered that. Yeah, that uh, that kind of wraps that up, and we'll talk about our feelings about that uh, very soon. I guess now it's time... Wait a minute, what the hell is this? Oh yeah, this this was crazy. Postcards from you? What in the world is this? This is what they call, Will, a dome out. I was doming. <laughs> Postcards from me. So, truly... No, 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 not from me. Not from, oh, not from you. Oh, no. Postcards oh, no. from... Ugh, okay, sorry, sorry. I, should, I shouldn't have started. <laughs> What's on second? Yeah. Uh, the uh, postcards from you. It's truly an end of an era. I, I suppose... I, I'm sad that we didn't get to really follow 
a word from us kids over the years. Uh, just because the YouTube videos that we're watching these Arthur's yeah, episodes yeah. on don't have them very often. <laughs> yeah. that, that being said, it, you know, A Word From Us Kids was always a really interesting time capsule of, um, you know, 90s fashion, uh, just like kids, seeing kids get interviewed. You know, it definitely had this like kids say the darndest thing sense of humor to it where like kids would be saying wild stuff to the camera. A lot of them were like really good characters. Uh, and it had all that stuff where they would get kids to draw stuff and then animate the kids' drawings, which been, must have been so cool for the kids. Uh, so I will miss a word from us kids, but it is interesting to be able to talk about something new this week, this postcards from you. Um, and well... It will, it's, it's no accident that I'm having difficulty describing what postcards from you is, uh, cause it's a little bit, well, will help me out here. It's a little bit, it's like an, yes, it's like an art film or something. This was weird. Yeah. I mean, Hey, listen, uh, we've never claimed to be Arthur historians. So this completely took me by surprise. Um, yeah, you're right, Lucas. We have not covered a word from us kids in great detail so for all we know i really i think i think i remember looking this up this only started recently as as we're looking at it in season 11 with postcards from you which is obviously a takeoff of postcards from buster and it's literally them getting video correspondence from different parts of both america and the world so the first one comes from uh in my notes here uh josephine in finland and uh, they and their friend are like just basically twirling in the fields to some music as their class goes on a walking trip or something. I mean, yeah. it, it, again, like I said, kind of kind of free free form jazz that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's like Berg. It's like a Bergman movie or something. I'm like, <laughs> what does all this mean? Um, and then a little bit more conventional is the kids at the Edmonds Academy in Des Moines, Iowa, who are creating something of, like they're painting a picture. They're building like little uh, houses out of cardboard and construction paper. They're just kind of doing arts and crafts. Now, like, I wonder if this was the product of uh, budget cuts because postcar- uh, uh, a word from us kids involves, you know, bringing a camera crew into a school and. And interviewing the kids, and they brought uh, a camera crew to Finland for this, though. Well, so did they, or I mean, are I'm postcards gonna... from you like submitted to pbskids.org? Because oh, hmm. that I wouldn't hmm. be surprised if that bizarro Finland thing wasn't just filmed by those two guys, or it's just beef footage that they got for postcards from Buster. Oh, it, see, well, now we're now we're thinking like <laughs> businessmen. It's, this is. I th- I think there is literally two possibilities. I think it's either that you know classes are encouraged to like send in their own footage, or it is B roll from postcards for Buster. I wonder, uh, or who knows? Could be other PBS programs. There's all kinds of like weird bits from like Teletubbies and Zoom and all this stuff. Who knows? Totally. But I I will say uh, the jury's still out on po- I hate to be anti new. Uh, this whole episode, but I, I think we're going to wait and see on postcards from you. Uh, it was certainly interesting, um, but I think especially the second sequence that was just kind of the kids working in the classroom had me missing uh, a word from us kids more than anything. Yeah, I think it's just that we didn't we didn't end up looking at every single word from us kids, and there's definitely ones that people have uh, drawn to our attention, or or even that I remember that I'm like, ah, we didn't get to that one. So there's st- it, it could still be done. Like if we could just find a reliable place to find them, then maybe we could do a little bit of extra content about it or something. I will say that, uh, and I know I feel like I've said this every week for the past ten weeks or so. We are officially in no man's land in terms of my Arthur knowledge. In terms of episodes I've seen before, because I have never seen postcards from you in my life. So I, I think it's all new from here on out. Gotcha. All right. Well, neither have I, which is who I was practically bowled over watching this. Okay, now for real, we're just going to take a quick break and be right back. This podcast is supported by listeners like you, and here's how. Over on our social networks, you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and Elwood City Limits on Instagram. 
you can support us monetarily by going over to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new PBS Kids show, movie reviews, and sneak previews of upcoming content. Support us as well by going to teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood city dash limits dash store or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits where you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know. And you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send Send us a message either on social media or an email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now, let's get back to the show. One more story before we uh, take a break for 2020. It's a Prunella one. Okay. Like, all right. Warily positive. Prunella's been kind of trending up. And this is Prunella Packs It In. So she is front and center. In fact, she starts us off in a particularly imaginative cold opening. As she is pretending to be a character named Griselda fighting the, hang on, I have the note here, the three-headed dog of Dugankirk. This, at first I thought this was a Henry Screever thing, but now I'm not so, I'm not really 100% certain on that one. It could just be something out of, just off, off the dome from Prunella. I mean, isn't there a, you're the, you know more about Harry Potter than me, Will. Isn't there a three-headed dog in that first movie? Yeah, it's uh, named Fluffy. It's it's, Hag- it's Hagrid's dog. So, very, it's very evocative of Harry Potter, of Harry Potter. And by extension, Henry Screever. I just, I, you would think that maybe she would be pre- pretending to be like next to Henry Screever uh. or pretending to be Henry Screever. I don't know. She, she it, her, it, it didn't look, uh, her, her costume didn't look like Moldy Wart's uniform, if, if you catch my drip or what, whatever, whatever it's called. Ugh, God, too many fantasy things, even fake fantasy things. Um, so she's running away from this dog in her imagination. She, knocks on the door of her sister, Rubella, who is, cannot be bothered. She is studying for the college exam. So we get a little bit of age confirmation of Rubella. We were always kind of wondering, like, what was the age, mm. what kind of age is she? So Yeah, seems Rubella seems to be older than Francine's sister, even. Yeah, so like 17, 18 at the most, maybe? Or if she took a gap year, she could be 19. It's true. So, Will, this is where I came to the realization. It's been a busy week for me. A lot of work stuff going on, as we already talked about in the episode, work after this, we finished recording this episode, and I really can't escape it, Will, because this whole episode (laughs) is literally about my job, which is advising uh, 17-year-old high school students on how they're going to get into university. (laughs) So, I mean, this episode is, like, less applicable to me, because I work for a Canadian university, and the Canadian post-secondary system is very different um, uh, and in my opinion, for the better, uh, than the American post-secondary system. But mm. this was still like a little bit of art and life and me being like, oh, I can't escape it. It's everywhere. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I actually didn't think about the fact, but yeah, you're very closely tied with this. Um, I suppose, I suppose I'll get into it at this point. So uh, yeah, you're right. This whole episode is based around the fact that Rubella is taking the college exam and Prunella, it begins to be stressed about the college exam, even though she's like... Uh, nine, maybe ten. But um, I did not have to take a college exam. So, no, you, so I, you don't in, in university, in, well, in Canada. Well, right. So university in Canada, I did not have to take an entry exam. I did have to be have a group interview for community college, which was because I was on a wait list. Or no, I sorry. I think that was before I was waitlisted. So I had to have a group interview for what would eventually become my radio diploma. So that's the closest I got to it. I think there might have been a written portion to it, um, but it was kind of to gauge. Yeah. I mean, Lucas, we took the same program. It was like a, it was like to gauge how much you know about like current events and politics and stuff like right. that. Right. Well, the community college stuff's totally. See, I'm. I got to be careful here. I'm gonna like slip into full work mode. I'm gonna be talking about. Well, you know, well, your admissions average is calculated by the average of the five courses we're looking at for admission, and not your overall average. So, if you have the five grade twelve prerequisites, you don't have to worry about blah 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 blah. Um, Business but, Mancini over I, here. Oh, I know. Uh, I can't. <laughs> is my life but i uh um um yeah we both took the same program in community college and then i went on to do another community college uh diploma but uh community college is very different like you also went to capital u university correct you have an english degree 
Yes, I did. Yep. And I'm assuming, oh man, this is, I, uh, if the <laughs> listeners care, I guess, but I'm assuming you just, they just uh, assessed you based on your, your high school grades, correct? Like there that, was no, uh, there wasn't a personal essay portion, there wasn't any sort of entrance test or anything like that? Um, now that you mention it, there may have been an entrance essay, but I I, I can't exa- exactly remember because it's uh, in a, in, a, in a funny way. So Lucas, you want to DM? For, you want to DM me? Uh, I'd actually prefer not to say which one in particular I work okay, for. Okay, sure, uh, sure, and sure, also sure. if you want to DM me on uh, uh, on Skype, I guess uh, which university you went to that'll help me like figure out because uh, I have some of the processes sure. memorized. This is a little behind the paywall stuff. Maybe we'll say what we were. Uh, we'll say all this in the in the for you Patreon sickos. You'll get to hear. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll say. I'll say no more. Don't want to blow up your spot. Yeah. But that's very interesting. I forgot that you would have a bit of insight on this whole process. A little too much, one might say. <laughs> so. The episode starts with Prunella talking to Muffy and Brain in the Brain's mom's ice cream shop about Prunella doing the entr- uh, uh, Rubella doing the college entrance exam and talking about exactly like what what that means. By the way, Prunella orders the Magic Mystery Sunday, which I'm very interested to find out um, what it's about. All we do know is that it has sprinkles on it. It's multi-flavored, and Brain offers gummy newts. You got to pay um, extra for gummy newt though. It's like guac at Chipotle. Yeah. Um, or rats at Chipotle if you live in New York. Um, so Prunella <laughs> laughing at my own joke. Uh Prunella <laughs> I believe those it, are free, Will. The rats come free, actually. Yeah. Uh so Muffy is saying that they are looking at like initially is Muffy's kind of saying they're looking at your grades. And and Brain is kind of backing her up on that, right? Well, okay, yeah, it's, and it's so funny because, so, like, sorry, I'm talk, not, I'm not to, no, 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 I, I just don't okay. remember about the episode. I'm not no, no, deferring no. to your knowledge. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so funny too because it's like this whole episode put me in such a weird mode because I almost have in work mode where it's like brains talking about. So there's different ways to be assessed for a university. You know, they look at they look at your entrance exam, but also they'll look at your overall like uh, high school performance. And I was also kind of like curious because I again I'm a little bit less familiar with the American system. Other people mm-hmm. in my job uh, assess the American students for entrance to the university. I see, uh, I see. But yeah, the American students have to take the SAT tests, which is a huge aspect of what university they get into. Um, but if I'm to believe correctly, uh, and I was talking a little bit about this earlier, this is one of the big difference between the American system and the Canadian system, and they get into it in this episode even, that, you know, in the American system, the main thing that's barring your entrance to the university is SATs, your performance at high school, and then uh, they bring it up later on in the episode how well-rounded you are. So, you know, you have to volunteer and uh, have uh, hobbies and, and be involved in your community, and that isn't really something that comes into play in university admissions at uh, in Canada. So in Canada, right. we really only look at your performance in high school, um, and your entrance to university is determined by grades. Uh, now, when it comes to like graduate studies, again, I'm in work, but I can't help myself. Will uh, when it comes to graduate <laughs> studies, then we start to look at those things a little bit more. Uh, not the SATs, rather, but your your well roundedness. Uh, but in, in my experience, it's mostly grades that are the the main assessment point. Uh, so, uh, even for a Canadian school, brain is correct here. It seems to me like you are the expert on this episode. (laughs) I don't think there's anybody more equipped to talk about this than you right now. Uh, but this kind of really gets in Prunella's head and she starts thinking about like, you know, she says that she's a mm, kind of an average student and... Muffy says, "Don't worry. There's so many colleges out there. One has, one has to has to take you. Essentially, mm. Muffy also and, flexes that her dad went to Ivy uh, uh, University, uh, <laughs> and and he probably had an SAT score of a million. Yeah, or 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 a passing grade of A, whichever one. So Prunella has a dream that night that the only college she'd be fit to <laughs> graduate from is Clown College." Uh, in fact, not just Clown College, Whoop-dee-doo College. Yeah, I gotta get me an honorary degree from Whoop-dee-doo College. Though it doesn't seem like you could get a degree there. Uh, in her dream sequence, she gets, I believe, a diploma. Do you remember what the diploma's I, in? What's I, her major at Whoop-dee-doo? I, I don't remember, but I do know it's non-refundable. <laughs> that's right. It's a, which is kind of a funny joke because that's the dark truth about all a university is it's all not refundable. Well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm looking at my two pieces of paper right now in the frames that they uh, that we put them in. Uh, also, p- confirmation. I don't know if this has been officially confirmed in other episodes, but Prunella's last name is confirmed as Deegan. So we we she we she has a full name. She's a full rounded member of the cast now. And so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of her her nightmare essentially is that she is not well rounded enough. She her grades aren't good enough. She'll only get into clown college. So the next day at the library, she is taking out all of these books on a variety of different academic subjects to try and become smarter and to get better grades. Uh, she runs into Muffy and Bailey again. Bailey a big part of both of these episodes. And Muffy, this is where Muffy also says that pr- there is an aspect to university exception or being accepted into college where you have to be well-rounded as you kind of mentioned so muffy speaks about how she is well-rounded she does folk dance and plays the ocarina yeah, this this, this is, is this, this is a bit of a surprise this was what a revelation you... who knew muffy was so cultured we knew she appreciated the opera but folk dance and then ocarina as well um are not the two kind of performance arts i expected of muffy of all people no and she also "Quote unquote," reads to the kids at the library every week, but it's uh, it's actually Bailey reading, and she just kind of sits up to the side with a magazine, which I thought was funny. Because uh, at first I was like, "She does not. That is not her character," and I was right. It isn't. So Prunella gets again obsessed with this idea. She has to be more well rounded. Um, she's talking about this with Marina while she's looking over kind of the um, what do you call that? Um, the recreation calendar. Essentially, we have. We used to have one like that here. Um, it's good to see Marina again. Uh, like, it's too bad that she's like a Prunella exclusive side character, but I'm always happy to see her mm. um, just kind of add. And again, she's very much the kind of rational, uh, straight person to Prunella's kind of more wacky endeavors. And I like that. I do. I do like that she is Prunella's friend, best friend in this case. But I would like to see more of her outside of Prunella. Maybe she'll get her own episode one of these days. So yeah, Prunella is going yeah. down all these like extracurriculars that she can get involved in to make her a better university applicant. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these actually seem really fun as an adult. Yeah, uh, I would love to go to a kendo stick class. Me too. Me too. Or, or I would even love to go to a cheese making class. Like yes. a lot of these seem like I wish these were around in my town. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm, and and especially that the pandemic wasn't going on, which you you probably do cheese making over Zoom, but it just wouldn't be the same, you know. Uh, there's also one about it's not conversational check. It's um, they had a word for it, and I don't remember what the what the um what the adjective was for the particular brand of check that they were learning. Uh, so Prunella signs up for a bunch of classes at the Elwood City Cultural Center, which is a new building we haven't seen. Also, great signage. It looks like a Looks like a friggin' hard rock, hard rock cafe. <laughs> uh, we see her at kendo class. I thought for sure we were gonna get a cameo here from Visita's brother Alberto because we saw him uh, do kendo uh, when he was in the episode he was introduced in. Oh yeah, good call, Will. But no, alas, he's definitely in the advanced class, which already is a yes, lot of Yes, that's sticks, a good point. Whereas uh, Prudella is in the entry class where they only do breathing exercises for five weeks. Right, they don't even get they don't even get the sword until five weeks in. Now, was this was the guy who informs her of this? This kind of uh, frumpy guy that looks like Harry from Mad Men was he the throwaway character of the week? You know what? I wasn't actually thinking about throwaway character of the week this week, but absolutely, this guy's great. Uh, I hope we check in with him someday in the future uh, to see an update on his his kendo skills. Uh, we also get an appearance from Bailey. Lots of good Bailey humor in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Bailey, we actually get a rare glimpse. Usually when we check in with Bailey, he's merely a slave to the crosswires. Similar to like Alfred and and uh, the, the Waynes. Uh, we never really see Bailey outside of the context of just doing Muffy's bidding. Uh, but we see he does have a life and hobbies because uh, he's taking baking. Right. Uh, I forget if it was implied that that's the same class that Muffy takes. I think she, Muffy said earlier they, that she was taking a baking class, so it may have been with her. But yeah, ba- uh, Bailey is, um, especially after that episode about Muffy kind of appreciating art, there's a lot more to him than meets the eye. And I think many people have told us, many listeners of the show have said that he gets a bigger role as the show goes on. Uh, so yeah, Prunella kind of bounces off of um, Kendo. She never really goes into the Czech class. Uh, so she's trying to find more stuff to do, and Marina suggests that maybe she could volunteer her time, like working at an animal shelter. By the way, uh, in the scene where she's suggesting this, Marina is like 
uh, playing keepy uppy with a soccer ball and doing great. I actually really liked that shot. I thought that was, I thought that was a great idea. So Prunella decides to uh, work with a say, like a conservation society for a save the Gre- save the pie build grebe uh, campaign. Yeah, so sort of the Elwood City version of the piping plover. Uh, which right. uh, I, I swear will next time I get my license renewed, uh, I'm going to pay for the extra expensive, uh, mm. license plate where you get the little picture of the piping plover on it. Cause you donated <laughs> money to save, to conserve their habitat. Well, Elwood city already lost the green tailed grebes some time ago. So they really need to keep all of their grebes in a row. I'm wearing a grebes shirt right now. So for goodness sakes, got to keep it. By the way, uh, Prunella has like a drink out of a water bottle and throws it in the garbage and some guy off screen. This is a very Simpsons joke. It was like, Hey, grebe that goes in recycling. <laughs> Just like very New York guy kind of getting in her business. Um, so yeah, it doesn't, again, nothing's really working out for her. She's really spreading herself thin is Prunella. Um, Mr. Ratburn at school the next day offers her to paint the set that he's making for the next school play, which is an a elementary school adaptation of Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard, which, uh, interest, interesting choice, I suppose. Um, and Prunella would like to, but she has got all this other stuff that she doesn't really want to do, but feels like she has to. And there, you know, you can see where the message of the episode is coming in, but it's going to take her a little bit, uh, to get there. Uh, Prunella, again, kind of going over her schedule and she has to like, you know, she's got to kind of leave this class early to get to this one and this one, this one. And then she goes, I have a whole 20 minutes all to myself and flops on the bed, which was a huge mood. I feel like my, uh, my wife and I are working from home now and she has a lot of, of those in, in the, in the span of a week of just like, okay, I get to take a break flops on the bed. <laughs> so I really felt that. And she, she has a dream. She accidentally falls asleep and she has a dream where she's literally like like she's playing Skyrim. She's overburdened. She's overladen with all of the stuff to do. Like the encumbered, Kendo guy. And she's encumbered. And over yes. encumbered. Yes, thank you. Uh, with all the stuff she has to do literally as objects. Like books from the Czech teacher. An air tube from the Kendo guy who's teaching her breathing. And they literally like chase her down into the college exam uh, right. test room where Rubella is waiting for her. This, this uh, reminded me of one of my favorite 80s movies openings of all time. Yeah. Uh, the opening to Risky Business. Where, oh, I've never, I haven't seen Risky Business. Oh, uh, Risky Business has this really great atmospheric opening where it's like got that Tangerine Dream soundtrack playing in the background. And Tom Cruise is describing this dream he had where he like walks into a stranger's house and there's like a beautiful girl there. And But then when he walks to join her in the shower, he's all of a sudden taking the college SATs and there's two minutes left in the test and he doesn't know any of the answers. And he's, he's, uh, uh, he goes, I've, I've screwed up for life. My life is ruined. Um, and that's sort of to convey to the audience, you know, his anxiety about his future, uh, through this dream sequence. So I kind of was reminded by that, by this sequence where, yeah, uh, Prudella shows up over encumbered and then all of a sudden she was focused so much on all these extracurriculars that she has no idea what to do on this college SAT test. Yeah, uh, it remi- it reminded me a little bit of speaking of SATs. Reminded me of the PXJT episode of Clone High, um, just in terms of the visuals there. So Prunella very very stressed out talking to Marina about this at the Sugar Bowl, and eventually she does kind of come to the realization that you know none of this. Like eventually she kind of g- gives up, but in a positive way. Like she realizes like none of this is really fun, and it's not really doing anything for me. I should be doing what I love to do, like basically hanging out with my friend, and I am going to. Uh, paint the background for this school play. Uh, by the way, animation error in the background here uh, on the flavors of ice cream that the Sugar Bowl advertises. They they, they spelled vanilla with only one L. <laughs> Hope someone was fired for that error. Uh, just, you know, wanted to point that out before anybody else did. Uh, so the episode ends with Prunella and Muffy both painting the background to the cherry orchard. And... <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Ratburn, kind of, she, you know, Prunella says something like, oh, I had to, it's too bad I can't use this to, like, become a more well-rounded person and this sort of thing. And Mr. Ratburn's like, well, actually, um, stage design, there are schools dedicated to, to stage design and all that kind of thing. And you can use that to major in all sorts of things. 
And we get the other uh, kind of side of that, which is uh, Mr. Crosswire comes in to pick up Muffy. And something, 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 Mr. Crosswire adm- admits he never actually graduated from college. Which absolutely tracks. He only has an honorary diploma, which is what got Muffy all confused. Right, because he bought the library for the uh, university. <laughs> That's it. And then, of course, Prunella gets to somewhat snarkily say to Muffy, don't worry, Muffy, there's got to be a, uh, one college out there that'll take you. And she begins to feel a little bit more empowered, taking charge of the uh, the backstage production of the upcoming Cherry Orchard adaptation. And that's where we end off. All right. So, Lucas, let's roll it back. Buenos noches, visita. Uh, what did you think of this one? I So, uh, it's it's a typical kind of love, not hate, but uh, uh, it's, it's a weird middle-of-the-road episode for me because I love visita. Um, and I love now we've we filled out the Visita world a little bit. What's her little llama friend's name again? Uh, Ralito. Ralito. So yes, we get to see Visita. We get talking Ralito in the dream sequence, and we get a lot of Visita interacting with their parents. And uh, I thought that you know if we're gonna have these episodes that are focused on the younger kids, um, Visita is is a kind of a rich vein to tap into uh, because we've had so many DW episodes, but. Visita's of the same age, if not younger. And so I think it would be really, really cool to see more stories starring her. Um, So just, you know, and I also actually really liked the first half of this episode. Pretty much everything up until when we see uh, what the actual story looks like. From then on, the episode kind of loses me a little bit just because I'm not really sure what it's trying to do. We get this whole uh, kind of Door of the Explorer X sequence, um, and then they find the book behind the pillow, and I'm left wondering what was it all for and kind of what was the message here? Because I really liked the solution of the kids being creative and making the book themselves, mm-hmm. and then I yeah. loved seeing the book, and I thought that the episode was going to wrap up there, but then it just kind of keeps going, and so it had me confused about what the episode was going for. Um... Still, it, it was enjoyable. Uh, I just thought it was weird at the end. So, I don't know. It's a middle-of-the-road episode for me, but I want to see more from Visita. And I'm glad that it wasn't her moving away. <laughs> I should also mention right here really quick, there was a end thing after Pernilla's episode called Which Arthur Character Are You? where uh, a little girl is describing why she is like the brain along with uh, other kind of uh, clips to kind of back her up with that. So To which I said, oh no, little girl, don't worry. You're nothing like the brain. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Buenas noches, Visita. Um, I'm a little bit more negative on it than you are, just because, again, this falls into the category of um, this is kind of getting very, very like, DW episode level kitty, and it just, like, it, it's, like, it's it, it's okay, like, something really wrong with it, but it goes back to my old com- complaint of, like, an Arthur episode that feels like any other children's television show could have made this. Like, if this were an episode of Maya and Miguel, mm. uh, I don't – I think, like, they could have done something like this. And I feel like that isn't where Arthur's strength as a show lies. Now, I will say the part that we talked about where the storybook comes to life was really cool and very imaginative and really put a spice into that, I think. But I didn't really hold my interest. I do – uh, I would like to see more from Visita, but now I realize that, you know, stories with her and DW and the Tibble Twins are very much going to be uh, aimed towards a younger audience. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm very wary when I say I would like to see more Visita, um, but I don't think that character is bad. So I want to make I want to make that clear. It's just like eh, this this one didn't really do anything for me. What did do something for me is the Prunella episode. I actually really liked Prunella packs it in. This is actually a bit of an inverse of the whole this is for kids thing. This is actually surprisingly aimed at a bit of an older child audience. Like, it made me realize I didn't really start thinking about college until I was a teenager. Like, it it just was so far away on the horizon and such an unknown entity that I just never thought about it. And I thought it was interesting to have an episode where kids do get to think about college a little bit, especially American children, which is funny because Arthur is like a Canadian produced show. Uh, so there is a bit of that, uh, like, yeah, there, like you, like you were trying to figure out about the American school system. There's a difference to it, but um, I did like how it does kind of put the thought in the viewer's head of like, yeah, this is coming up. You might want to start thinking about it, but then it also has a really good message. I thought of, do what you like to do, because what you like to do 
can be applied in lots of ways that you may not realize already. And, and that's true, I think, of practically any interest that a child shows at a young age, even though you should never think of your interest as something, personally, I believe, you don't, you, you, first of all, you should like what you do. Secondly, you could apply it to something that you want to do in terms of work or in terms of vocation. But that is cool because I think, especially as a young person, you don't realize how the things you like to do will influence what you do as a career. Yeah, and not only that, but I think there's it's it's funny we talk about Arthur episodes working on multiple levels. There's kind of three to to this episode, which is one, you know, this is introducing uh, the university admissions process to a whole young generation of kids, which, by the way, is uh, something I see every day, and and I was a victim of this as well. Is that you know, unless you have a support system in place, like your parents, to inform you of these processes. It's not like anyone in high school. I mean, guidance counselors are really strapped. Um, you know, sometimes there'll be one or two guidance counselors for thousands of kids. And a lot of times they're spending a lot of their time putting out fires, you know, trying to get kids to finish high school, let alone advise kids who are going to finish high school on what to do to apply to university. So a lot of this information just isn't being told to kids. So I think even the real basic stuff about, hey, you gotta have to take the SATs, hey, these are the things universities look for, I think that's important even to instill in kids at a young age, just so they have this awareness of that's how the process works. Because I can say firsthand, um, not only in my experience, but also in the experience of my work, you know, so many kids are so confused about really the basics of applying to university. And I don't even think it's their fault, right? Nobody's telling them this stuff. So I think this episode works right. on that level, but then there's two other levels too, and you already explained them. One, um, that what you do and what you're interested in is kind of what makes you well-rounded, and you know you should kind of celebrate those aspects. But then also two, uh, uh, don't overexert yourself. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Uh, perhaps if Prudella had just stuck with Kendo uh, and not tried to learn Czech or how to make cheese, she might have actually just been able to add that one extra hobby. But her issue issue is that she's so obsessed with um and she does it too when she's like trying to study as well she's like trying to learn quadratic equations in the fourth grade um so the other thing is is you want to be focused as well and this is another thing i see in my job is you know kids are so nervous about university admissions that sometimes they could bite off more than they can chew and it's important mm. to have balance in that respect as well and i and i and i didn't even realize before like even watching this episode i was like yes you you lucas are uniquely qualified to talk about how this episode kind of approaches this issue. So I'm glad that, I mean, I'm always glad that you're my co-host, but especially Aww, now because I feel too, like Will Shucks. this is a, yeah, this is a great thing for you to talk about. And yeah, I just thought, uh, I thought some of the visuals were very interesting of like, I, I liked the kind of different gag of like the way different stuff that Prunella was getting into. I just love the message of this episode. And and I love the continued like this is kind of one of the sto the ongoing storylines of Elwood City Limits is the rehabilitation of Prunella, and I think that she is becoming a character who we can rely on for pretty solid episodes at least as far as as far as I'm concerned. You know we have we have our old standbys like Binky and Fern, and like if we can get one or two more really good episodes from Prunella, we can add her to that list, which I never thought I'd be able to say. So that's, I think, really positive, and I really enjoyed this episode, and I, I, I liked its message most of all, and it reminded me of a time when I was young and thinking about how the things I liked would maybe, you know, pay off in, later in life, and then turns out, you know, I didn't really discover what I liked to do until I was in university, and then that has led me to right here talking on this microphone. So you really never know. I would just always encourage anybody out there, especially any, anybody of a younger age, or any age really, to stick with what you like. And you never know the doors that will open up because of that. You really don't. So stick with it. And that is it. That is the last official ECL episode of 2020. And hopefully when we, when we talk to you next year in 2021, we'll have a little bit more of a handle on this whole world situation. By the way, I do want to quickly note the Instagram account that I was talking about earlier in the episode is called Toy Junk Stuff. All one word, Toy Junk Stuff. So check them out. Um, and I wanted to let you know what to expect from the next couple of weeks here on Elwood City Limits as we draw closer to Christmas and New Year's. Next week on For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast, 
uh, I decided to give myself a little bit of a Christmas present in the form of more work, <laughs> because this is going to involve a lot of research, this topic, which is Thomas and Friends. We're talking about Thomas the Tank Engine, which is one of my childhood and adult obsessions. So I'm really excited for that episode, and I'm really excited for you to hear it if you're a patron over at patreon.com slash Limits. That'll be coming out next week. The week after that, for goodness sakes, it's Christmas. Like, literally, uh, two Fridays from now is Christmas. So we're going to give you a little bit of a treat. A couple of months ago for our fourth anniversary, we recorded a commentary for DW and the Beastly Birthday. This is a full commentary, and we are giving it to you for free. It was available on Patreon beforehand, and now it will be available on the main feed. So all you have to do is sync it up with DW and the Beastly Birthday, and Lucas and I can hang out with you for about an hour during your Christmas vacation. And if you would like more of that... The week after that, so the week of New Year's, exclusively for our patrons, we will be doing another ECL commentary, this time on one of the more recent Arthur specials, The Rhythm and Roots of Arthur. So we're going to be recording that next week, and that's going to be dropping uh, New Year's on our Patreon. So you have that to look forward to. And then it won't be until the first Friday of January that we will be, or, meh, actually, The first full week of January, let's say, before we will be back to recording regular Elwood City Limits episodes. And we'll be talking about Phony Fern and Brain's Shocking Secret. Is it, is it, what what could Brain's Shocking Secret be? That he's like a Redditor? Like, I wonder what that's going to be. I (laughs) I guess we'll have to wait for next episode to find out. I was going to say that he sucks, but that's not a secret. No, that's, that's Um, everybody knows. So this is our this is our final opportunity not our final opportunity because we will be like no yeah it is our final opportunity sorry uh, there, there's so much to keep track of but this is our final opportunity Lucas uh, for, to give best wishes for not only the holiday season but for the year to come do you have anything you want to say before we say goodbye yeah I don't have a quote that I wrote down this week not a very like memorable quote not a lot of memorable quotes in these episodes so I'll just say before we go uh, you know. It's a bit an up and down year for everybody, but we're in it together. And boy, howdy, was it, st- despite it being kind of a bad year in general, it was a great year for ECL. And it was so much fun doing the podcast as kind of just an extra escape throughout the week while we're in quarantine and stuff like that. Uh, and we couldn't do it without you, the dear, dear ECL listeners. So thank you so much for listening to the show. And thank you so much for your emails and for being in the Patreon. And everybody always talks in the Discord. I know I never talk in the Discord as much as I should, but, you know, I'm seeing all those posts. It's just so nice and heartwarming, and so I want to wish you all a happy holiday uh, and good tidings into 2021. Let's get that vaccine, uh, and yeah, that's just it. You know, thankful for all you guys, and, and uh, we'll go into 2021 with more Arthur to come on Elwood City Limits. What about yourself, Will? Well, I do have a little bit of a holiday message that I left before the beginning of DW and the Beastly Birthday commentary, which you'll be hearing in two weeks. And, you know, I in my, in my typical way, whenever I put a microphone in front of myself, I get, I get a little weepy. You guys know that. So, not, I mean, it's, it's nothing too bad. I just get a little misty-eyed. So I'll kind of... I'll leave, I'll leave it for that. But of course, I want to say I hope everybody has a great holiday season ahead of them. And I hope we all have a positive 2021 ahead. As Lucas said, uh, Canada got some great news. We the, uh, the Pfizer vaccine for coronavirus has been approved for Canada. And we will be seeing a rollout within calendar year 2021, which I'm very excited about. And I certainly hope wherever you are in the world, that's either A, not a problem, or B, a problem that will be fixed very soon. And we want to thank you, of course, for being a listener for Elwood City Limits, whether a patron or not. We appreciate you all the same. And we hope to keep bringing you great content as we go into another year, the fifth year of Elwood City Limits. But we have a little bit more to go before that. So again, a big thank you. My name is Will Young, and we wish you a very happy holiday, be it Christmas or otherwise. And and for Lucas Mancini... I, again, I don't have a quote this time, so I'm just going to say... I know, say, I was going to put you on the spot. Uh, uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Have a crazy Kwanzaa. Um, a tip-top tet and a solemn, dignified Ramadan. Exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. We, uh, we love you, we miss you, and we will see you in 2021. Bye now.